right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. You don't got time that. All right, let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Taylor Swift Sports Talk. For the next three hours, wall-to-wall coverage. We'll be breaking down frame-by-frame Taylor Swift's reaction to Travis Kelsey's touchdown. Plus, we've got boots on the ground here in Lawrence of a live reported sighting. We will not be doing that, and we do not have a live reported sighting. (laughs) Do not lie to the people. Um, I did hear a rumor before the show that she was there and that her and Travis Kelsey had a lunch date and then left. But ever since that rumor, everybody, well, not everybody, a lot of people have flooded to Free State Brewery on Mass Street. But again, the rumor I heard was that they already left. So, like, I'm kind of laughing here that a bunch of people would just show up. Um, <laughs> we are going to be breaking. Knows, it, it's also just a rumor. I don't know. It might be true. Might we are going be to be true. breaking down kinda funny. frame by frame Taylor Swift celebrating to Travis Kelsey's touchdown and for the you, next three hours. you drove down. Yes. To uh, I mitting, mean, how many people, were, how many people were, were hanging around over at Free State Brewery? Oh, I mean, let's see. Outside? At least, I don't know, 100 maybe? Wow. Plus, dude, did you see the line of cars? Yeah, and it's crazy. a traffic reporting as well. You know, they should pay me extra now that I'm a traffic reporter. Well, honestly, like I feel bad for Taylor Swift and no, for I Travis Kelsey, like having to deal with that. So, like everywhere you go, you just have a mob of people. And so, on one hand, I felt bad, like tweeting that out that there was the room. But again, when I tweeted out, it was under the guise that they had left there. So there was nothing to be seen by people going there. So I felt okay, like putting that out there. Yes. Um. So anyway, I don't wall know. Wall to wall coverage. Funny, interesting Taylor rumor. Swift sports talk. Yeah. No, it's been it's been documented before how Taylor Swift uh, does enjoy the city of Lawrence. So it's funny because um, we put we put some tweets out there and uh, we actually have some some Swifties who are like getting in on the action here. And I saw somebody <laughs> say something about the idea that like uh, um, Travis Kelsey is giving Taylor Swift the full tour. It's the other way around. It's the other way around. The other way around. Taylor Swift is giving Travis Kelsey the tour of yes. Lawrence. Yes. Could 100%. you imagine if they showed up to like a KU basketball game, dude? It would be it mayhem. Would, it it, it be would be carnage. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, uh, RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. T-S-S-T. Uh, secondary, I guess, to all the Taylor Swift uh, happenings over the past weekend. Uh, KU took down BYU on Saturday, 38-27, to the final score. KU is 4-0 for the second straight year. For the first time in back-to-back years, they've been 4-0 since 1913, 1914, 1915. Nick, what was your favorite thing about those 1913 Kansas football teams? Dude, my favorite thing was that they would do the flying wedge probably at that time, I would think. Yeah. Well, and that's awesome. Are you okay with kick returns back in 1913? Um. Yes, I'm very much okay with it. Oh, very much because you can okay. flying wedge. It's great. You yeah, they finished. Down. They finished five and three in that 1913 season. Oh, um, Derek, was, what were you doing in 1913? I. What do you mean? What was I doing? I was doing <laughs> what nothing. What were you doing? Nothing. <laughs> um, What's funny about this is you know I like to I like to be hyperbolic and say that. KU hasn't done this. KU hasn't done that since the Civil War, since the French Indian War. This is actually real. They literally yes, haven't done literally it since World War I. Yes. Since World War literally I since started. World War I. Yes. Before even the U.S. got involved in World War I. Correct. Unbelievable. Yes. 
Uh, so this is kind of the heights that Lance Leipold has taken this program, and uh, obviously it's it's been a lot of fun covering the team over the past couple of years because of this. And, you know, you, you absolutely dominated that game on the line of scrimmage, in, in my estimation. Um, running the ball, stopping well, the run. What? I would push back a little bit. I okay. mean, KU, this was by far KU's worst game from a pass rush perspective. Hmm. They did not get very much pass rush at all throughout the game, from what I could tell. It did not seem like oh, they ended probably. up with. I think they ended up with three sacks on fifty-two dropbacks from Keaton Slovis or whatever. I, I felt like the pass rush. This was their worst game by far. Watching it live, I you might be on. It might be their worst game, but I I don't know, man. I th- I think they've had they other still, good games. I understand so high bar. They still control the line of scrimmage. Obviously, the big stat BYU had nine rushing yards, and they were great on offense as well. But bad pass rushing game overall. Mm. I I'd push back on that. I, I wouldn't quite go that far. But not as good as it's been. How about that? Again, I, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with if you want to say this was, you know. But, dude, okay, it's one thing. If you get three sacks in a game on, you know, 25 dropbacks, that's good. Mm-hmm. Three sacks on 52, 51 dropbacks. Sure. But I think good. there were other times they got pressure, they got a hit on Keaton Slovis, and he just delivered the ball. That's Keaton um, Dimes to you. That dude was <laughs> dropping dimes. He really was. He really was. Keaton Slovis had... I mean, I don't listen. I have obviously haven't watched very much of him over the course of his career, but he played really, really well, like way better than I thought he was going to play. And he still made some bad throws. He still made some bad plays. But dude, down the sideline, he made some really nice yeah. throws. Well, I'm, tr- I'm trying to pull up some of the pressure numbers on Pro Football Focus, but our internet has not been working all day, so I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> we had trouble with our internet. Do you think it has to do Which with uh, everybody has their phone probably, out waiting to see if Taylor Swift is a free well, there's, state? No, there. they we're probably getting cyber attacked by Taylor Swift fans. <laughs> they're probably so mad, they're just like, they're they've hacked into our, our station and they're taking down the internet. I know. It's just like yeah, so we're kind of trapped in a bubble here right now, because yeah. you're right, our, our internet has been struggling. Um, but anyway, I, I, I thought the... Uh, that, that was the difference in the game. It was you running the football. It was you yeah. stopping the run. Because at the end of the day, they threw for over 300 yards. You only had like 130 passing yards, but you still won the game kind of going away at the end. Yeah. Well, and going into the game, I suspected that if there was going to be any weather, rain or whatever, wind, that was going to affect the game, it would have been a, a positive impact for BYU. But how the game turned out, I don't think that would have been true at all. I think it would have been even worse for BYU. Because if, they're not, if they were not able to run the ball at all, yeah, in regular weather, they were going to be screwed. So that actually was being that actually was a good thing for BYU. Yeah, and KU was able to run the ball even in plays that weren't like read option plays, just basic run plays. They were able to your your favorite halfback dive, HP dive. Yeah. yeah, they were able to still have success there. Um, I I think it's pretty clear that for anyone any Swifties new to the show that are listening for the first time. <laughs> HB dive is when the quarterback hands it to the running back, and he yeah, runs that straight. That was the ahead. funniest thing on social media yesterday during the Chiefs game. You would <laughs> see all like the Swifties on social yeah. media being like, "Wait, what is happening?" Like they're watching their first football game. <laughs> um, no, man, I uh, I was just really impressed overall with what Kansas did, especially in that second half. The first half to me was kind of about like I, I think it's just clear KU is a second half team. The first half to me, though, it kind of came down to KU just committing two penalties. And that was something Lance Leipold talked about today. They, they need to be a more clean team. We've talked about this before that, you know, you, some of those penalties can be super costly. You go back there, their first drive of the game, they have a third and one, and then they have a false start. It becomes third and six. They don't convert. You'd yeah, like to think. Stupid sugar huddle. Yeah, you'd like to think if it's third and one and you get two cracks at a yard, you do convert. And that could be seven points on that first drive. So that's a seven-point swing in the first half. Also, BYU is going down on the drive after they get down 7 nothing, 
and they have a fourth down and or I'm not a fourth, a third, third down and five yeah. and then in KU territory, offsides on KU. Again, they might have converted anyway, but they might not have, and that could have been a field goal instead of a touchdown. So theoretically, that could have been an eleven point swing just by two penalties. That's it. Those two penalties could have been that costly in the first half. That that maybe completely changed things. Second half, you didn't have to worry about those, and you outscore them twenty four to ten. Uh, didn't really feel like. I don't know, you you were super in danger of losing really that whole fourth quarter against BYU, and, and it's kind of similar to the Illinois game. The Illinois game was more controlled, more dominant than this one was, but yeah. at the end of the day, you look up, you win both games by 11 points. Um, games against opponents that you expect to win six or seven games, and you kind of controlled them. Yes. No, I, I mean, I think BYU could end up being like a really solid 7-5 and five team or something like that, yes. right? Uh, okay, first of all, quick side note. Of course these guys have to run out of the tunnel with a Kansas flag. BYU does. I, I'm supposed to not like these guys, and here they come with a Kansas flag. How am I supposed to boo that? Okay? Ridiculous. They're too nice. They're 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 too nice. Okay. I'm trying to I you know, I need I gotta get it fired up. I gotta get the animosity going. And they're just they're just they're just total buzzkill. Total buzzkill. By the way, I'm looking now at the pass rush numbers. And to your point, it is more pass rush snaps in this game than some of the other ones. Um, okay, they had here. I'm, I'm going to give you some. They numbers. had three sacks. They had what? ten pressures against Nevada. Okay. I'm just looking at pressures here. Okay, okay. So that's sacks, hits, hurries combined. Okay. They had ten against Nevada. They had thirteen against Illinois. Yep, that was their best game. And against Missouri State, they had nineteen. I think the Illinois game was, but more also that's though. an FCS game. Yes, yeah. I would agree. Illinois best when factoring competition. Would you like to guess how many pressures they had against BYU? I'm guessing it's close to ten. So you just want to guess ten? Sure, I'll say 10. Correct answer is 15. They had more okay. than the Illinois game. Now, again, okay. more snaps, so you take that into account. Um, I don't know. Watching live, I was not very impressed. No, that's fair. I, I do think that BYU was getting the ball out quickly and stuff. I uh, actually was I, – I know probably the biggest, um, I don't know, concern or, I don't know, like bugaboo that people would point out from the game would probably be like, oh, just and, and this would go back in line with the pass rush – just in general, the pass defense. The pro, you know, the pass defense wasn't great. I'm not saying it was a great game for the pass defense. You have over 300 yards, but they passed the ball a lot. They averaged seven yards per attempt. Do you know where that would have where that would rank for a defense if you gave up seven yards per attempt? Oh, for the probably season? in the top. It's 50 seconds. 40. 50 seconds. So okay. right around there. That's above average. Uh, there's 133 teams. That's above average. I did average, not think right? the pass defense was really that bad. No, I, I yeah. didn't think it was great. But I mean, I Kobe, didn't Bryant, think it was Kobe Bryant was the best player on the field. Yeah, Kobe Bryant was the best player on the field. He had the fourth fumble plus the interception. Uh, again, Keaton Slovis yes. made some really, really great throws. No, I mean, there there was the a realization for me in that game. The KU is basically, I mean, KU is not the 2000 Baltimore Ravens defense. They're not going to just shut everyone down <laughs> and be able to take away everything. They basically said, we're going to play tight. We're going to play as tight coverage as we can. We're going to have make it close windows. And we're going to basically force BYU to throw into tight windows, make accurate passes, and make the receivers make contested catches. Which there were times when they and did there were that. times they did. Yes. Isaac Rex was good. Chase yes. Roberts was good. Keaton Slovis, outside of the two interceptions, was pretty good. Yes. But I guess what? Over the course of time, realistically, there's going to be, if you throw the football 10 times, realistically, of the 10, unless you're having an A-plus game, one or two of them, the quarterback's going to make a bad pass. One or two of them, he's going to throw into a bad window or miss the, or make the wrong read. And maybe one of them, the receiver is going to drop the ball. Right? Like, there's going to be times when you just make mistakes. I had They're somebody tell me a, a funny, uh, a funny saying when it comes to passing the football. They said, when you pass the ball, there's three outcomes, and two of them are bad. <laughs> when you pass the ball, it's either you guy, your guy catches it, nobody catches it, or the other team catches it. 
Two of those outcomes are bad. Yeah. It was a former coach. It was a former coach who, who coined that. I, I don't go that far. Passing <laughs> is still the uh, preferred method to, I don't know, put up a lot of points and everything like that. Um, but I guess that's what, like, I actually thought the KU defense played very well. Yes, overall. overall. And listen, at the end of the day, you there are over the course of the season, there will be games where you'll need your defense to win you a game. That's exactly what happened here. Even By the way, the game. check out this stat. Kansas has given up four and a half yards per carry or less. It was way less in this game. Um, to opponents ten times in the Lance Leipold era. They're ten and zero. Wow. In games where they haven't, they're two and seventeen. Jeez. So as you as you look to the you know, sometimes those stats like you'll see like, well, this team is this record when they you know, have this time of possession or this rushing. And it's not actually a correlated stat between winning. It's more of a stat that comes because you're winning, you do this. That is one of those stats where it's like if you give up this X amount of yards per carry, it's not necessarily to be like, oh, if they give up 4.7, they're guaranteed to lose. It's more in in of an indication that if you're playing good run defense, you have enough else out there. I mean, special teams has been good so far. Yeah. Offense, we know what they've been. I mean, listen, you love it. You love ESPN SP Plus. Yes. He's number one. <laughs> They're still number one. Number Even one. Last week. Number one in the country. I don't know how. I don't know how this is possible. Literally the number one team in the country. Yeah. In special teams. Bill Snyder was there. He yeah, maybe he I don't know. He was it was rubbed off on him. Yeah, you did I didn't you know that? That. No, I didn't There's like a that. picture of him walking in with a suit. Oh, really? Yeah. Going to support his son. Oh. Huh. I did not see that. He did no. not have any KU gear on though. Did they show that on the TV broadcast? I don't think so. He was probably up in a suite or something. I don't know. Okay. Because I, I was at the game, it. I didn't see the TV broadcast. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. They they never showed it on the TV broadcast. I can tell you that much. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, bottom line, you you pass the test again. And, and the more that you continue to look clearly like the better team against six or seven win teams, the more it becomes apparent that you are better than a six or seven win team, which means eight <laughs> or more wins. Yeah, yeah. And listen, going into the game, better coach, better quarterback, better in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Really. Mm-hmm. When you're better in those three areas, hard you're to probably going to have a good chance yeah. to win. Very hard right? to lose. That, that's why I was circling back to the idea of well, if BYU wins in the margins, which they kind of did. They they did. I don't. BYU had what two penalties? I think in the game, one penalty. It wasn't a lot. KU had more, yeah. but the turnovers were the difference. Obviously, mm-hmm. with the two defensive touchdowns, that made the big difference. And KU didn't turn it over. No. So that's a very very impressive win for Kansas and winning in different ways. Right. That's another. I think that's another calling card of of a of a quality team is when you can win in different ways. When it's not just you always the yeah. same conditions are required for you to win a game. I mean, here's the game where in the first half, your offense moved the ball but you didn't put up a lot of points. Right. Right? I mean, take away take away the fumble six, you, you didn't the have offense, it a lot. Yeah. The offense scored seven points in the first half. Seven. But they still found a way to get to get the job done. Yeah, you gotta be able to win in multiple ways. And and to Jalen's credit too, like that was a game where Jalen, we're gonna look at the end of the season and you're gonna look back and be like Jalen had a game where he only had like 180 total yards and they won by 11. But when you actually watch the game, whenever they needed a big play, it was third down or it was a goal-to-go situation, Jalen's firing a strike. Yes. He was efficient. He didn't make any mistakes. It was a great game for Jalen. I think he had like an 85 QBR. Yep. The total yards don't necessarily show up, but he played great. Oh, by the way. And I think that's part of it, too. It's it's that KU has a lot of things that they're doing well that aren't showing up in the numbers. That's what else a good team has. Like Devin Phillips, he's making good play. He's clogging up running lanes. He's not always getting the tackle. Oh, by the way, Luke Grimm will be playing on Sundays. Absolutely. 1,000%. Next year? Or in two years? Maybe. I don't know. It could be next year. I mean, that dude is insane. He's so good. I do and think his it's connection funny. with Jalen Daniels is incredible. 
I, I looked up at the stats after the game, and I was like, wait, Luke Grimm only had 18 yards receiving on two catches? And I was like, is that right? But they were both touchdowns, yeah, which is the most valuable. I was like the Jet McKinnon of uh, if you play college <laughs> fantasy football, probably. Yeah, man, just an all-around performance. And I, I think that's kind of the way you look at it. Like, every, every little piece and, and bit and unit and position group had some way of stepping up. Yeah. Pass blocking and run blocking was obviously very good. Uh, the the running back duo, very good. Jalen I mean, Daniels, very good. Did Jalen get sacked? Up. I don't think he did. Did he get sacked? Uh, maybe once. I don't I, remember. I think yes. there was one in there. Okay. Um, the receiver, no receiver had more than 34 yards, but you still don't walk away being like, ah, the receivers didn't play well. No, it's just you balanced it out yeah. and you didn't have a ton oh, of passing yards. One other thing I didn't want to mention about uh, with Devin Neal, mm-hmm. it's very clear now that KU has a specific system they want to utilize with Devin Neal. They are going to use Devin Neal as a battering ram in the first half. The third quarter, he didn't hardly play at all. And I noticed this against Nevada, too. Same strategy now in back-to-back games, where Devin Neal gets a lot of usage in the first half, and then basically for halftime through the third quarter, it's 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 Haisha. In the third quarter, it's Haisha and McDuffie. And then he comes like, back into yeah, the fourth quarter. I was going to say, it seems like there's always one drive in the third quarter, it's McDuffie. Yes. Because he had the two carries for 17, yeah, so, played third in the so Missouri Neil, State So it's Neil as a battering ram in the first half. In the third quarter, Hyshaw McDuffie, or not Neil, basically. And then Neil comes back in the fourth quarter. That That's now two games in a row, Nevada and BYU, where I've noticed them using that same strategy of, of how they want to utilize Devin Neal. Trying to wear down the opposition a bit, I guess. And also, obviously, keep Devin Neal fresh, as fresh as they can, right? What do you think is the better win, this or Illinois? I don't know. I mean, immediately after the Illinois game, I thought maybe Illinois was just bad, but they are maybe not, maybe they're not that bad actually because they played Penn State maybe closer than we thought. Uh, I'll, I'll probably do for you that BYU beat Arkansas. Yeah, who I'd probably lost on a last second field goal at LSU. I'd probably pick BYU. I agree with you. I'll probably pick BYU. But here's the thing. BYU and Illinois might end up both being seven and five teams. Sure, but I think BYU is a better team. Both could also end up being five and seven, and then we're looking at this a little differently. I don't think that's going to happen with BYU. It'd be hard for BYU at this point to finish five and ten. But I mean, they're, I mean, they're a, with like injuries. BYU is the definition of an average to yeah. above average football team. Yeah, like they are not going to blow you away. They're not explosive. They don't do anything really crazy. But, but they're good enough. They're and good if enough. You mess up. They're going to take advantage. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And they're good enough to win six, seven games. Yes. And you didn't mess up. No turnovers. Um, yeah, no fumbles. Yep. That was a big positive. And you got the turnovers the other way. You mentioned you know, again, Kobe Bryant. He was the MVP. Yeah. Kenny Logan with the big I mean, yeah, pick Kobe six. Bryant. OJ Burroughs should have had a pick six. Yes. On the, on the play yeah. before that. Yeah. yeah. DBs played very well. Um, so, I mean, Kobe Bryant was the best player on the field, right? Yes. I would agree with Out that. of anybody. Without a doubt. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, you have two, two turnovers, <laughs> right? It's hard and to- also, I think they, threw, they only threw the ball at him like three times. And I think he gave up one completion. Yeah, I think it was one for three for six yards yeah. against him. And, and an pick, interception. Pick six. Or that's pretty good. Pick, plus fumble six. Right. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think, I mean, shoot, man. I mean, if we if we have that conversation now, like, who who's going to leave the team early to go to the NFL draft? Like, you could have multiple players. Yes. Which sound heinous uh, a couple years Kobe ago. Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. Devin Daniels, Neal. Luke Graham. Dylan Daniels, sure. Devin Neal. Again, not to say that all these guys are going to leave. It's just all of them are going to actually have they, decisions. They, yeah, they would. They, yeah. They'll need to make a decision. Which uh, speaks to how well they've played and and where this KU football program is at. So 4-0 for the second straight year for KU. Big one this Saturday. Big one this Saturday at Texas. Wait, who are they playing? Oh, Texas. That's right. Oh, wow. That is a big game. 2-30. 
It's going to be, uh, by the way, they announced the time for the following week, the following so, home game against UCF. It'll be at 3 o'clock. So KU's going to be on ABC this Saturday and then, and then Fox. Fox the next Saturday. At 3 o'clock. Getting yeah. the national When do they announce treatment. game day, by the way? Do they do that tomorrow? Yeah, it's going to be at Duke. Oh, they already announced? Unfortunately. Oh, okay. I yeah. must have missed that. But maybe that means they'll come to KU for was, Oklahoma or Kansas State if KU is winning. I was too busy covering Taylor Gate. Sorry. <laughs> okay. You know, more important. Much more important things. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, David Lasky of Inside the Crown will join us in 15 minutes. we got to get to our Pearson Collision Hit of the Week. Coming up next with Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. David Lesky of Inside the Crown will join the show here in about 10 minutes to talk a little Royals baseball. We have Case of the Mondays, Chiefs recap, NFL Monday overreactions, or KU football talk, and some uh, Lance Leipold postgame audio coming out throughout the remainder of the show here. After the show today, you can hear Hawk Talk with Ray Bouchard for the Kansas volleyball team. They're going to be out of Big Mill after the show at 6 o'clock. We'll be out of Big Mill next, not this Saturday, the following Saturday for the KU home game against UCF. That game will be at 3 o'clock, so uh, we'll be out at Big Mill from 1230 to 130 here on KLWN. Uh, we also have Hawk Talk with Lance Leipold Wednesday, High School Sports Weekly at Mama's Tamale Shop Thursday, High School Football with Lawrence High on KLWN, Free State on 92.9 The Bull on Friday, and then uh, KU Football Texas Action here on KLWN and 105.9 KISS on Saturday. All right, it's time for our hit of the week, brought to you by Pearson Collision. Just like you, Pearson Collision loves to celebrate a great hit in KU football, but in your car, not so much. Quality work, every job, Pearson Collision in Lawrence. I don't even know. Normally, we come in here and we have like three to five options, and we yeah. talk. I don't yeah. even want to do that. There no. is one very clear, yep. obvious answer. No debate yep. needed, right? <laughs> and it's obviously the hit of the ball off the foot of Seth Keller on the field goal that yes. he made. Yep. Unbelievable hit. More. Perfect. I mean, total bear hit. Yeah. Exactly how you draw it up. <laughs> Picture perfect. You know, we can, I mean, I could, yes. I could break down that kick all day long. The next two and a half hours, <laughs> the kick of Seth Keller, yeah. his foot on the ball. Maybe we'll just devote uh, everything to that. No, no, but in all honesty, obviously you know which one it is. It's the Kobe Bryant hit. The Kobe Bryant hit, uh, KU gets stopped on the fourth down. BYU gets the ball. I think it was their second play of the drive. Yeah. They run a little like reverse play to the receiver coming around. Yep. Kobe Bryant gets off his blocker, comes up, absolutely nails I mean, the he had, life out of this receiver. He had like a good five yard head start yes. to just get to full speed and just absolutely blasted him. The fact that he blasted him too, and obviously this is hit of the week, so I guess it shouldn't matter as much what happens after that. But the fact that it did force a fumble and he picked it up and no, he yeah. ran it in for a yeah. touchdown. Listen, hard to beat I think. That. If you're if you hit a guy and it forces a fumble, that qualifies as hit of the week automatically. Yeah, like that. I mean, like that. I mean, that was <laughs> wham, pow. When you saw some bam. people being like, there was a small minority being like, why is this not a targeting? That was very clearly not a targeting. First no, of all, it was. Um, it was not a defenseless receiver. Nope. It was not somebody who was going over That's, the middle okay. trying to catch a pass. That's always not the a quarterback. part of targeting that yeah. really annoys me is that people think that anytime anywhere on the field you have like a collision like that, it's targeting. Yes. No. It's only targeting if they if the receiver or running back or quarterback whatever is deemed as a defenseless player. Correct. You can hit like a guy in the head. Receiver, you can hit right. a guy in the head anytime you want. Or if, if he's you got the ball, the crown of your helmet, which he also hit him with his shoulder. Yeah, like if 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 a yeah. guy's got the ball and he's in the open field, it's fair game basically, unless it's like you know spearing with the crown of your helmet, like you said. Right. So people need to understand that that that's the difference between target. Like this was not a defenseless guy. This no. was a guy with the ball running. Kobe Bryant comes up. And by the way, clean hit. I mean, exactly how you draw it up. 
shoulder straight into him. Pow. Ball out. Touchdown. Unbelievable hit. I, I will venture as far to say this. That is, I mean, it's it's only our, our leaderboard right now. Marvin Grant has one. Austin yeah. Booker has one. J.B. Brown has one. This is going to count as one, but I feel like it should count as more. I feel like well, this should count as like Well, I think we should also keep track of, we'll have a leaderboard and then also keep track of which, which one, one you think is, is the best. best hit. Yes. Okay. So this is the number one, I think. So one, and he has the crown for the best. Yes. Because if you're comparing, you have Marvin Grant from week one. That was a good one. Didn't cause a, cause a fumble. Also FCS yeah. opponent. Uh, Austin Booker, the the sack, the clean one that he had um, against Illinois, and then J.B. Brown, the big hit against Nevada. It's, I would put J.B. Brown, close. too, but Kobe Bryant won. But this one is for sure, without yes. a doubt, number one. 100%. This is number one on the leaderboard. It's the best. Um, unbelievable hit. It changed the game, too. I mean, momentum yeah. for KU. Obviously, you know, getting big points there is, is obviously important. And, uh, yeah, Kobe Bryant was great. And who knew? Of all people, for him to have it at, like, 170 yeah, pounds. Yeah, as I was say, listed at, you know, 5'10", 165, Crazy. Or whatever. Crazy. Uh, Pearson Collision is always looking to add their team of artists a rewarding career with awesome pay, paid holidays, and weekends off. Pearson Collision Repair strives to hire only the best and want you to apply. If you're committed to excellence, want career growth, come join the award-winning team because Pearson Collision is hiring. You can go to the Pearson Collision Repair page on Facebook and apply. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. That is our Hit of the Week, brought to you by Pearson Collision. David Lesky of Inside the Crown joins us next on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Joined now by David Lesky of Inside the Crown. One week to go for the Kansas City Royals here uh, before they get put out of their misery. But they're, they're not playing miserable right now i i joked last monday uh, about if the royals won out they could get to 60 wins well sure enough they still have that opportunity now they've won 10 of 11 they won all their games last week uh david hypothetically if they do win their final six games this week they get to 60 wins finish on a 12 game winning streak at that point 16 of 17 wins would that affect at all how you view them next season, or would this be more of the same to past years when we've seen them get hot in September and then it not carry over at all? Um, you know, I, I, I think sixteen and seventeen is different than oh, they went eleven and nine over the last twenty. <laughs> like, like they're you know, people talk about oh, they do this all the time. First of all, they don't. They, they just don't. I mean, they they had they had a winning. Um, September last, I think, in 2018, I want to say. Um, so it's not like they do this every year. Um, but even when they do, it's like, oh, they were 15 and 13. That This is not if they were to win the final six. This is not 15 and 13. This is big time. Um, that said, most of the games are against teams that are have mailed it in. Um, the five or six games, I don't care how Houston is playing. I don't really... Uh, their their level of play at this moment doesn't really concern me as much as the fact that they are fighting for a playoff spot and the Royals won five of six against them. I don't I don't care if they're playing poorly. The Royals took advantage of a of a team fighting for a playoff spot. That's that's bigger than any of the rest. Um, but you know, any any time there's extreme win streaks, extreme losing streaks, I think they mean a little bit more than just kind of the slightly off the the standard variation, you're one standard variation away. There's like four standard variations away. So I think it would mean something. They got to, they got to win six more. Um, but you know, what I thought, what I think is really interesting is I didn't say this to anybody. Um, nobody can, you know, prove me right or wrong, except for my brain. But I thought, okay, if they can sweep Cleveland and win two of three against Houston, they might be able to avoid 
setting a new franchise loss record. Okay, now they have to go two and four. Just to, they have to go one and five to set the new franchise loss record. If you had told me when they were on a 100, I think at one point they were on a 120 loss pace. Like, not two weeks into the season either, like a month and a half in. And if it wasn't 120, it was 117 or whatever. If you had told me then that they weren't going to lose 106 games or 107 games, I would have called you an idiot. And now here they are. They have to win one game to not lose 106 games. That's crazy. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, quite the turnaround here over, over the end. Uh, two games, I guess. Sorry. Well, before I get back into some of the on-the-field stuff and some of the players, they, they also, uh, since we last talked, the Royals hired Brian Bridges to be the director of scouting. He was previously in the Atlanta Braves organization and uh, is tagged and associated with a lot of really good players that uh, they've obviously had come that have helped turn them into an absolute juggernaut over the past couple of years, including this year. What are the Royals getting in Bridges? Well, they're getting a really good talent evaluator, which is one thing. Um, but but something that we, we've seen written, and I talked to a couple people also, and, and they corroborated it really, was that he is really, really good at both understanding the analytics um, and, and mixing it with the scouting, but also relaying those analytics in a way that people who don't understand them quite as well, um, in a way that they can understand them, which that's that's really important in today's game. Um, to have somebody who's able, and J.J. Piccolo is really good at this too, for the record, um, to have somebody who is able to understand these complex formulas and terminology and all that and be able to explain to somebody who doesn't, isn't quite as up on that, um, because maybe because they don't want to be, I don't, I don't love that part, but you know, sometimes it's just difficult. It, it's, it's difficult to learn new things and, and, and all that. To be able to be that liaison is really important. And so th- those are the biggest attributes, I think, from him. But, I mean, ultimately, he's, he's a good talent evaluator. He, he's, he, he, he fills a, a gap that the Royals have had for a while, I think. that I think they've done better with this year, obviously. You know, acquiring guys like Cole Reagan, Austin Velasquez, um, and, and some of the other, the other trades they've made as well. They've done better, but that's a gap they've had. And and Brian Bridges has has a track record of being good at that. We're talking with David Lesky here of Inside the Crown. Uh, back to on the field, James MacArthur. I think we talked a little bit about last week. H- how good can he be for the team, and in what role? You know, I I don't know how good he can be. Um, similar to Cole Reagan's, like this this isn't going to last. He's not going to have. He's not going to retire what is it, 39 of 42 or something like that this month. I, that, that's absurd. That's a really, it's just, that's an out-of-the-park out month that he's just, he's just crazy. Um, and so good, that's great for him. But I think he can be a really solid, really good reliever for this team. I, I, he's been using the closer role, um, sort of. I guess Taylor Clark has, has a few saves, too, in the last, month, in the last couple of weeks. But um, I wonder a little bit if maybe he's, Kind of in that role that um, Mike Matheny used Scott Barlow in when when he was kind of the fireman. Kind of the okay, if, if, if maybe if we haven't needed him, he'll pick the ninth. But if we do need him in the seventh, we'll pitch him in the seventh. If we need him in the sixth, we'll pitch him in the sixth. You know, whatever whatever that might be. I think it's a really good spot for him. He gets ground balls. He, he slider and curveball combination gets swings and misses. He's he's in the zone, which is crazy. I mean, 
same, same scenario as the win, wins and losses. You tell me after he gives up seven runs in an inning in his debut that he's the reliever that I actually trust in, in a game in September in Houston against the Astros, I'd call you crazy. And, you know, so I, I don't know what his role is necessarily, but the, the Royals' roles are, roles are difficult because the Royals have eight in, in a 26-man roster outside of September, have, eight, have an eight-man bullpen, um, and – a month ago, I don't know that they had a single player you could say he's in the bullpen next year. MacArthur's in the bullpen next year. He's one of eight. So, so that that's his role right now. Um, I think you know, I, I I feel good about Brian Sweeney and Matt Quattrero using him in the best possible spot. And I think that that's, that's kind of where he'll be. And, you know, ultimately, the Royals are probably better off if he's not their closer. Just, just, I don't know, 93 to 95 as a closer concerns me a little bit. Um, maybe it shouldn't. Maybe maybe the results are all that matter. But I, I would like to see him just put out fires. Do you think this week is going to be the final week of Zach Greinke uh, as an MLB player? I, you know, I feel like it is. Um, but anybody who tries to predict Zach Greinke is playing a fool's game. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what he's going to do. No, he doesn't know what he's going to do, probably. But it, it just kind of feels like it's winding down. The only, the only thing I wonder a little bit, he seems to be doing pretty well in this one to two inning, maybe not one to two, but short short appearance role. And I wonder a little bit if, hey, they're, they're, like I mentioned, the Royals have one reliever who you feel good about in 2024. Um and you didn't feel good about him a month ago. So when, when he's the guy, maybe, maybe there is a role for Zach Greinke, and he, and he can, what is he at, 29, 70-something strikeouts? I mean, maybe he can pitch in, maybe maybe he can be an opener um, almost exclusively, or and he's the guy you bring in for the third, fourth, and fifth when, you're facing, when you start off with the six, seven, eight hitters or something like that. Um, I, wonder, I do wonder if there's a role, and I wonder if that, that role can actually be on the Royals um, in the 2972. So, I think he pitches twice more, you know, even if he gets five strikeouts, he's still 18 away from 3,000. I, I could see him coming back maybe, but if I had to guess, I'd say this is it. Do you think he should be an MLB Hall of Famer? Yes, 100%. Yeah, I mean, when you've got... You've got a guy who has 224 career wins, which the win isn't important like it used to be. But, I mean, think about how many wins he lost by playing on some of those bad Royals teams. But that 2009 season, the Cy Young year, when he won 16 games, he wins 23 on a good team. He was, I'm looking at it right now, he was 13-10 and 10 in 2008. He's probably a 17-game winner on a good team. He was 10-14 and 14 in 2010. It wasn't a great year, but he probably wins. 12 to 15 games on a good team. I mean, already right there, you've added 15, you've added 12, 15 wins, something like that. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I think when you get a guy who has the peak that he had, and, and people don't quite realize this, but from 2009 to 2015, Zach Grinke, 108 wins over, over seven seasons, 292 ERA, 13, almost 1,400 strikeouts. He only walked 334. 
Um, I mean, I haven't done a comparison, but yeah, I think he's a Hall of Famer. The numbers are there. I think he's he's pitched people. Um, I, I've seen some people bash his his postseason a little bit, but and he's actually been pretty good in the postseason too. He's he had a couple couple issues. Um, he had a bad uh, ALCS in twenty twenty one. He must have twenty twenty one. I mean, he had a, a bad start in the ALDS in 2018, 2019, somewhere. That must have been 2019 when he got traded to the Astros. But, I mean, he's he got a 180 ERA in the World Series. You know, you want to talk about postseason success. He, he pitched well in, at the biggest stage. I, I, yeah, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Well, and uh, in going through some of those years where he could have had win totals higher, you put him on the Braves this year, even with a, a five ZRA, he's probably still winning like ten yeah. games. You know, <laughs> more than right. one. He's, he's, yeah. one of, he's one in fifteen, so he's probably I mean, nine or ten and and twelve or something like that on that team. I mean, he's, he's okay. Hunter Brown on the Astros is we saw him yesterday. Was he twelve, eleven, and twelve with a five ERA, eleven and thirteen or whatever it is? Yeah, I mean that, that's probably what Grinky is. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was looking through the stats uh, the other day, and it's not that it's total shock because everything we've heard about Jordan Lyles is that he is an innings eater. But if I would have told you, because even though you hear the word innings eater, you do associate at least that like, oh, there's there's some level of success to get you from the, the fifth to the sixth inning or the sixth to the seventh inning or the seventh to eighth inning to be able to stay out there. If I would have told you before the season started, Forget like I like I'm not going to tell you the any any of the other numbers, but that the Royals headed into the last week of the season would have 171 innings pitched by Jordan Lyles. Would you have thought that the contract they gave him was actually a good deal? Um, I would say no. Okay, and and the reason I say no is because it was never signing Jordan Lyles for me. That was the problem. It was always the second year that was that was the problem, and. You know, I, I looked at it and said, okay, yeah, they signed 175 to 180 innings, which, assuming he doesn't go out in the first two or three innings, um, I think he's, he must have just one more start left. Um, he will throw 175-plus innings. I don't think he's going to get to 180. If he does, he'll have a really nice outing. Um, against probably the Yankees. I think that, that's who he would say. So probably not. I'm guessing no. Um, but, although I don't know, the Yankees are – not yeah. the Yankees this year. So already maybe, been eliminated. But, um, yeah, well, they're, they're fighting for 500. They haven't been under 500 since like 92 or something like that. Um, it, it's something ridiculous. So they actually have something to play for, sort of, if the players care about that. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I, I still wouldn't necessarily say, oh, this is a good deal. But I, I, I actually said this in my comment this morning to somebody, responding to somebody on Inside the Crown. I do wonder a little bit, and we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out the answer, and then we'll know. But I, I wonder if the Royals said, look, we have nobody to pitch this year. And, and the truth is, there were times when they were struggling to find a fourth starter. Like They, they were running two openers a week, uh, or a turn through the rotation for, for a while. I, I wonder if they said, I, we know that he's not good, and we know that he's probably not going to be good, but we need some innings, and... He has a he has an offer from another team for eleven million dollars. But if we give him that second year, we can spread it out. And if we eat the money, we eat the money. We just need we need somebody to pitch in twenty twenty three. I'll feel a lot better knowing that. I guess <laughs> moving forward, um, and I think also they I'm sure they didn't think he'd be this bad. Cause why would they? I mean, he's 
he's never been a good pitcher, but this is one of his worst seasons. So, um, and, and you know, his, his expected ERA is a lot lower than his actual ERA. If it, I think he's at 494 on the expected ERA. If he was 494 with 172 innings, I think feel okay about that, actually. Um, just to add another layer to your original question. So, I don't know. I wonder if, if if they say, look, we, we needed him for 2023, we gave him that money to get him in the in-house because we had nobody to pitch, I feel a lot better about it if they at least admit that. Uh, so what is what is to watch this week over the last week of the season outside of if Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey show up to the uh, home finale against the Yankees? Yeah, well, I assume they'll be there. Right. Um, <laughs> they, they, well, I don't know if they'll be at the finale. That'll be, um, they'll actually, ironically, be in New York. Or are they here? No, I, I thought well, it was in might, Kansas City. Maybe I read the schedule wrong. It is entirely possible. Well, it, Wouldn't be the dumbest thing I've ever done. It must done. be in New York. Uh, well, I guess it has a, a day-night doubleheader at the Truman Sports Complex. Um, <laughs> so they'd probably be there on Friday, let's be real. Um, and nobody cares about Taylor Swift on Friday night. I mean, come on. But, <laughs> um, yeah, Bobby Witt. Bobby Witt is, is the number one thing to look for. They're in New York, by the way. Um, Bobby Witt getting a 30 home runs. That's I mean, every at bat is is watch is must watch TV because of where he is. Um, and then the rest, Nelson Velasquez, I think is is really fun to watch right now. Uh, I wrote that this morning. Barry Bonds from 2000 2007 home run um, hit a home run every nine point at bats. With the Royals, Velasquez is at every eight point four at bats. So what I'm telling you is he will hit seventy four home runs next year. Um, but he, he's really fun to watch. Um, yeah, the, Honestly, the infield defense is fun to watch. That, that, that's something to keep an eye on. MJ Melendez keeping up his hot streak. Um, he's cooled off on the hit front a little bit, but he's still giving really good plate appearances. Um, and then Cole Reagan has one more start. That's always fun to watch. I, I would imagine we're going to see – um, Anthony Veneziano and probably Jonathan Bolin at some point this week. And yeah, I don't know, one, one or two games, whatever they pitch is not enough to, to make an evaluation to determine, okay, can they be a rotation piece next year? But I mean, look, they, they could be one of those two, both those two, they could be bullpen rotation. Um, I'd, I'd like to see what, what they can do at the big league level. So there, there's some stories to watch. It's, uh, and, and, you know, of course, the, the race for 57. I mean, you want 60. I, I'm looking at the race for 57 to avoid even tying the franchise record. Well, uh, who is your player of the week for this? I don't think you can take Bobby Witt Jr. He didn't have an electric week, so uh, we actually do get no, some, some he, other blood in there. Witt actually had a bad week. Um, just a, a 35 way to run created plus. So easy to pick him this week. The answer, I mean, I mentioned him, Nelson Velasquez. He... He only hit 227, but he had four homers. Um, he walked. He obviously hit the snot out of the ball. That's a 198 way to run created plus. That's pretty good. But but Drew Waters had a good week. Um, 357, 438, 571. Melendez, like I said, not the best average, but 250, 409, 563. There were some chances, but, I mean, four home runs. He, he, hard to say no to that. 
He is David Lesky. You can check out all his work inside the crown. I know the season's coming to a close, but you're going to want season recaps. You're going to want to know what's going on during the offseason. Subscribe to his Substack. David, I appreciate the time as always, man. Have a great rest of your week, and uh, maybe talk to you next week to, to recap what was a uh, very interesting season, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say. Thanks, Derek. All right, that's David Lesky inside the crown joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We got Case of the Mondays, Chiefs Talk. Uh, NFL Monday overreactions, more KU football, plenty of other stuff coming up here on RCST. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How much does it calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Four o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Case of the Mondays for all the Swifties who thought they were going to find Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift Sports Talk live <laughs> right now from the KLWN studio. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, again, I, I do believe she was actually at yes. uh, Free State. But when I when I sent out a, something on Twitter, and I think by the time people got over there, they were assuming she still was. What I sent out earlier and what I said earlier was that she was there well, earlier with Travis Kelsey, and they left. That's normally how it happens, right? Yeah. Is like, which you know, I would not have said something if they were there active because I didn't want there to be some sort of mayhem. I didn't think people would. Yeah, take, we're not trying to incite the public. Yeah, I didn't think people would take. Oh, somebody left somewhere as like, oh, we have to go there now. What? <laughs> Although well, this is probably listen, great free publicity. Their fame for goes free state, beyond. So I, you know, you it's know. not even just about. It's not even just about like seeing Taylor Swift or like meeting her. It's like. Wait, I get to stand in the, or I get to sit in the same booth that she sat in, or something like I that. Guess. Like it goes even, it goes even further. You know, uh, that's where I had my first uh, date with my wife. How about wow. that? Wow! So me, Travis Kelsey, Taylor so maybe, Swift, my wife, yeah. all same taste, all same yep. people, yep, uh, all same bank account. Um, <laughs> but technically, I don't think you would. I don't think this would have been Taylor and Travis's first date, though. So I don't know. I don't know. That's tough. Anyway, uh, just kind of fun conversation there. All right, uh, we'll get to our Chiefs breakdown coming up later this hour. First, we have to get to our Case of the Mondays here and uh, sports-related Case of the Mondays here. First up, who? Uh, this is going to be a little different than past other Case of the Mondays. <laughs> this is a competition Case of the Mondays. Oh. I need you to tell me who is having a bigger Case of the Mondays in college football right now. Okay. Okay, here are your candidates. And, and if you want to do any fill-in-the-blake candidates that you think of, totally cool. Okay. Notre Dame. You had 10 men on the field on the final play of the game. Tough way to lose, yeah. Ohio State runs it straight up the middle on the where the guy was missing, and they score a touchdown on the final play of the game to win 17-14. Yep. That would have been a huge win for Notre Dame. Yep. Um, it would have been By the way, the, I, beaten that I love game. the play call from Ryan Day there. Fourth and goal from the one-yard line. Game on the line. Don't try some BS with a fade route or something. Just HP dive up the middle. Your boys are bigger than their boys. You need a yard. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love okay. that call. So that's uh, that's a possible candidate. What about Ryan Day for Case of the Mondays for being overly worried about uh, Lou Holtz? Yeah, that was weird. That was very well, weird. But like, okay, the interview. I don't know. When coaches are fired up, it's either like cool or cringe. <laughs> yes, this that one cringe. I think was cringe. One, it was just like unnecessary. You just won a huge game. Celebrate that. Well, okay, first of all, I don't. Even, is, is Lou Holtz even still alive? Yes. Okay. 
he literally, well, this is why. Luke Holtz, Luke Holtz was on some like pregame show. Luke Holtz is like 86 years old. I don't know. He oh, might okay. be like 90 years old. Yeah, dude. I mean, and he is a Notre Dame guy. He coached oh, at Notre Dame. This would be like me getting mad if like a super fan of, uh, what's that Clipper suit? Clipper Daryl. You know what I'm talking? He's like the super fan for the LA Clippers. Okay. Anyway, uh, if I was like, if I got mad that he was like, we're the best team in the NBA. No, duh. The super fan probably thinks that. Anyway, beyond that, he basically said like, he was picking Notre Dame to win the game, and he basically, as part of his pick, was like, this is what, you know, the the, the games that Ohio State has lost has been to Georgia and Michigan, games where they've been, like, beaten on the line of scrimmage, and they haven't been tough enough on the line of scrimmage compared to those teams. And he took that as, like, he thinks we're the softest team of all time. <laughs> and also, again, who cares what Lou Holtz says in this situation? So, anyway, him having a case of the Mondays because instead of just focusing on a win and a cool thing, he turned it I don't know. I, the one thing about that is, though, like, Something like that, at the college football level, I think it's kind of cool, though, to, like, channel that to your players, be like, you know, this is what Lou Holtz said. Let's go out and, you know, knock him, knock him dead, you know? In the NFL, that doesn't work. Because yeah. in the NFL, the guys, nobody cares what anybody says. Okay? For sure. But in college, that does actually work. Yes. Okay, so there's that one. Then a uh, case of the Mondays for Iowa football, who... You know, they just had the big week against, uh, who was it, Western Michigan or something, where they put up like 41 points. It got them above their point-per-game average that they needed to be at to uh, retain Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator. <laughs> All of a sudden this week, did they you see get it, a By the way, zero. did you see the comments he had last week when he was like, uh, I scored 41, so I need you to climb out of my, you know. That was fake. It was? Okay. That so was I'm actually, fake. Uh, you know what? I'll glad, I'm, I'm glad that you bring did this I up. Did I get deep faked? You did get deep faked. Dang because it, this man. is actually, but it, it looked very realistic. So here's why I'm glad you brought this up. The fact that we have these deep fakes is very scary to Dude, me. That sucks. Because anybody in anything could get tricked into thinking it was faked. real. Yeah. But no, it was it, that, that was not real. So anyway, they scored uh, zero points against Penn State, which on its own, zero points obviously is bad, and it looks bad. Zero but also it's like, well, yeah. Penn State has a good defense. You're playing on the road. They're seventh-ranked team in the country. When you look at the yards, it looks but so they, much worse. they only run like 30 plays? I don't know. Uh, Caden McNamara was 5 of 14 for 42 <laughs> yards. Iowa had four first downs. <laughs> I've never seen first downs that low. They are one of nine on third down. They had 76 total yards. Yeah, 33 plays for yep. 76 yards. Yep. 20 yards rushing, 56 yards passing. Penn State had 45 penalty yards. That was almost as much as Iowa had total yards in the game. Um, That's embarrassing. Very bad. Here, here are the Iowa drives in the game. Punt, fumble, punt, 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 fumble, punt, fumble. <laughs> that is a masterpiece of disaster. That's awesome. So yeah, that uh, is anyway, great. Iowa would be on there as a candidate. Jimbo Fisher. Now, they won the game, so maybe that preludes him from this. Okay. Did you see the play where he was on the field? I did not see what happened. He just happened. To be, it was like he was an old guy who got lost in a shopping mall. And he, was just and he just happened to be on the field like while the play on, was coming like at him. How like, far onto the field? Like pretty four far? Four or five yards off the sideline. Wow, that's pretty that far. That might be too many. I don't know. Three, four yards. But the play was coming at him. Oh. And a player ran like outside of him to the sideline. Oh. Yes. And he's just like in the middle of a play as if he was like a ref for like setting a pick play. <laughs> um, so that one. Uh, would certainly go. That was just a funny visual. But again, they ended up yeah. winning the game. They, they beat Auburn pretty handily. So I, I don't think it'll be him, but I just thought it was very funny. And then uh, your final option here, unless you have any write-in candidates, is Minnesota football. Northwestern football has been in shambles with all the stuff that happened in the offseason. They're yeah. also not very good. They weren't they're very good bad. last year. Yeah, they're just bad. Minnesota was dominating the football game against Northwestern. Yep. They were up, what, 21 going into the fourth quarter? Yes. And they ended up losing 37-34. to 34. Just absolute 
you know, melt, they, they lost an overtime. Yeah, absolute meltdown there. They they clearly stopped rowing the boat mm-hmm. or started rowing in the wrong direction. So which of those do you think is having the biggest case? Of the it's got to be Iowa, right? I mean, it's got to be Iowa. I mean, dude, like being an Iowa fan, watching that, I just wanted to gouge your eyes out. Like, I mean, that, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. That is just horrible. Like, you got to, well, I mean, what are you doing all week? But clearly not practicing anything because you couldn't do anything. Just It's just embarrassing. My vote is Iowa. Okay. I'm good with that. Uh, okay, what about in the NFL? A lot of people that could be having a case of Monday's day. Sean Payton. The, the, I mean, Russell Wilson, yeah. Denver Broncos as a whole, obviously. But I, I think Sean's, Sean Payton specifically because he's getting paid so much money. Yes. Comes over. To be bad. And, and they are so bad. I mean, they They're, might be the worst team in the NFL. What have I been telling you? What have I been telling you? They are going 5-12. and 12. That might have been too no, generous. too much. That might have been too, too generous. Much. I mean, there are people saying, oh, Sean Payton, they could win, you know, eight, nine, ten games. Oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah, you're an idiot. Because they're going to win maybe five games. Maybe. 70 to I mean, 20. Maybe they're going to win five games. I could not tell you the last time an NFL team had 60, let alone 70 in a game. I did a little research on this. Okay. Uh, so the, it was the, so the rec, the NFL record is the Chicago Bears scored 73 in like 1940. But if you want to like count modern football, so okay. like the so Super Bowl era, yeah, yeah, it's like uh, the Los Angeles Rams scored seventy-two, I think, in like nineteen sixty-nine. My goodness, that's the most. That's the most. Yeah, that's so bad, man. Um, <laughs> I saw some funny memes going around. Of, remember, there was the like Netflix film where Kevin James was playing Sean Payton. Yes, and it was like <laughs> it was like Sean Payton. This this is actually Sean Payton now. It's just <laughs> Kevin James. Yeah, really, really bad. Yeah. Uh, and I saw people getting, I saw a few people getting upset about, oh, Mike McDaniel's ran up the score, mm-hmm. as you should, as you should. Well, that's another part of it. Why it's Sean Payton? Because if you remember before the season started, he uh, said that this was like the worst coaching job done ever in what was previously left by him by like um, Nathaniel Hackett. By Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> I almost said Nathaniel Peterman, which would have been a combo of <laughs> two Peterman. of the uh, all-time. Uh, I don't know, but anyway, um, so. Yeah, so he said that, and I would imagine if you were a coach, like, that's one thing you don't do. You don't talk bad about your own fraternity in whatever job you're in. You know what I mean? Like, you don't yeah. you don't crush the other coaches. Just that, that, that goes around leagues and circles, right? And I do wonder, too, if, like, part of it was the Dolphins. I mean, I guess the Dolphins were just running the ball, and it didn't matter. The Broncos couldn't stop them. Also, Mike White did have, like, a 67-yard touchdown that's pass. That's the thing, like, they, no, okay, 728 yards. But it was like equal. They had like you know three hundred and fifty whatever the year, and like yeah, three hundred on the ground, three seventy six passing. Yeah. Okay, so that that case of the Mondays, obviously the Broncos and Sean Payton. Uh, stemming off this one, case of the Mondays, me. I benched Devon A. Chain in my fantasy football league. He had eighteen carries for two hundred three yards, two touchdowns, that was four catches for thirty yards and two touchdowns. So two hundred forty three total yards, four touchdowns. I'm having a case of the Mondays. Yeah, that's bad. That's okay. Bad. Uh, the entire Chicago Bears organization is having a case of the Mondays because that one goes back through the whole week, right? The, the defense coordinator resigns. There's all sorts of rumors about why. We still don't really know the actual reason why, I don't think. Yeah. Um, the uh, facility, I guess, was broken into, and there was like $100,000 worth of, of stuff equipment. that was taken. Yeah. Equipment taken. That was wild. Uh, then they go out, and they, they I mean, and they just get We get blast. Bears Broncos this weekend. It's pretty clear whoever loses that game is going to be seen as the worst team in the NFL, so, right? I'm really, really happy the, the Bears and the Broncos year. are playing each other. It's, I mean, that's going to be a funny must see appointment yes. television. But the Bears are I almost wish they would flex it into primetime. If the Chiefs actually tried and kept the starters in, and again, we're actually trying, they could have put up, yes. 80 to they could have won 80 to zero. It looked like an FCS game, which I mean, we'll get more to our Chiefs recap, but obviously the Bears I mean, are on just, there for that reason. Yeah, just embarrassing. Yes, uh, embarrassing. I mean, uh-huh. Yeah, dude. 
I mean, it's what the, the again. The funniest part is like you you lose like that, and you might not even be the worst loss of the of the day. Like that's wild. Like the Broncos' loss might be worse. I don't yeah. know. That's insane though, because that was just a demolition. That was just a complete and utter. No, it's it's crazy after the Broncos demolition. game happened that you can have an argument about which team <laughs> had a worse performance. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. You would have never thought that would have been a debate. Um, okay, and then the, the last one here is Zach Wilson. Um, is having a case of the Mondays here, at least from uh, my NFL ones. Obviously, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, okay, the thing with Zach Wilson, like, yeah, he sucks, but he has flashes, man. I mean, the last touchdown drive in the fourth quarter for the Jets, it, it was great. He was great. He made some great throws. Yeah, these are his final stats: eighteen of thirty-six for one hundred fifty-seven yards. That's four point four yards per attempt, with a seventeen point nine QBR. The Jets scored ten points. Yep. Um. I mean, they, they have, like, legit players. Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Garrett Wilson. They, they just can't do anything. They can't do anything on offense. Zach Wilson is yeah, the reason exactly. the Jets are going to go from probably a playoff team to picking in the top ten. That just This just goes to show you the value of the quarterback position in modern NFL. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can have a roster that collectively is a top ten roster, right, in the league, I think. If you look at the Jets roster overall, right? Top 10, you would say, I think. Top 10 roster. Top 10 roster in the league. And pair that with a bottom five quarterback. And it doesn't matter. You just you just suck. It doesn't matter. It literally does not matter. It just goes to show you the value, how important having a quarterback is in the modern NFL. Because it's, it's really wild to think about. I mean, considering the talent that they have. and I, Yeah, I mean, that's a... With Aaron Rodgers, it's a Super Bowl team. With... You know, uh, any other fill-in-the-blank quarterback here in the top half of the league, it's a playoff team, certainly. And with Zach Wilson, it's a team that might win five games. It doesn't Just, make any sense. It's such a big difference. It doesn't it really make any is. sense. Yeah, they, they really should trade for, you know, Kirk Cousins or, I don't know, somebody. Yes. Is there any Vikings other? tank for Caleb Williams, trade Kirk Cousins. By the way, we're, we're going to get into put this Put Justin later. Jefferson on the shelf for the year. It's amazing to me that Josh Dobbs is, like, actually good, and Zach Wilson, who was picked, like, <laughs> third in the draft, is, like, they, okay. They can't figure it out. Funny thing about that is, yeah, in the NFL, what I what I just what I just alluded to, shutting down a guy that doesn't happen in the NFL. Do you think it could in the future? Oh. Hmm. like, do you think an NFL team will shut down a star player if they know they're going to lose? If they know they're going to be like like the Vikings, for instance. Yeah, let's say the Vikings are you know one in five or you know two and two and six or whatever two and seven. They trade Kirk Cousins. To the Jets, and then they just they just bench Justin Jefferson. They just say you don't need to play anymore. You're done. Justin Jefferson, you're done. T.J. Hawkinson, you're done. Take the season off. Whatever. We'll come back next year. Is it okay? Could they do that? Would they do that? I don't know, man. It's so hard in the NFL because the NFL there is such a like toughness mentality to it that it's hard for me to. Uh, especially like the quarterback position too, where that's a leadership position too, and like, what does that tell the rest of your guys? No, I'm not saying I, you would do that to a quarterback. Sure, I'm, I'm talking specifically. I in think the Jets, one thing specifically if, in yeah. the Viking situation. If if the player has like actual injury, even if it's small injury that wouldn't normally keep him out of the game, but is enough to make you be like, it makes sense. We could rest him. I guess I could see that, but no, outside of that, no, I, I don't think so. I don't not think so either. Time. But I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, it's not impossible. It's really not. 
All right, that is our uh, case of the Mondays here. I guess shout out to the New York Yankees. Officially missed the playoffs. David talked about they might finish below 500. That so sucks, Yankees. Case of the Mondays. All right, Chiefs Bears. Cry harder, out. Yankees. <laughs> Coming up next, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. About 20 till 5, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to have some more KU football talk from their 38-27 to win over BYU. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we also will get to your Lance Leipold post-game audio from after the game. That also coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We got Hawk Talk with Ray Bouchard, the Kansas volleyball head coach, over at Big Mill later tonight from 6 to 7 o'clock. Uh, we have Hawk Talk with Lance Leipold coming up on Wednesday at 6 to 7. High School Sports Weekly with the Lawrence High football team on Thursday from 6 to 7 over at Mama's Tamale Shop. And then uh, Friday, we got High School Football, LHS here on KLWN in the KLWN video stream. Free State over on 92.9 The Bowl, both at 7 o'clock on Friday. Saturday, we'll air your KU-Texas game with pregame for the Crimson and Blue Show at 1 o'clock, kickoff at 2.30. And uh, you can hear that here on KLWN and our sister station with uh, 105.9 KISS. All right, it's that time of the week. We overreact to what we saw yesterday over the weekend from the NFL. NFL Monday overreactions. What do we got this week, Nick? The Dolphins. They're the best team in the NFL. I mean, how can they not be? They scored 70 points. The best team. And they're 3-0. I mean, I guess it, there's two ways of looking at this. If you're a very punctual person, the Dolphins are the best team in the NFL. They're tied for the best record. Probably, yes. Punctuality. I mean, the other options the record, are the Niners... The Eagles. Yeah. Just Chiefs. You're undefeated. You have to be the best team. Well, no, the uh, Chiefs are not in that situation. Yeah. Uh, I mean. I'm, I'm saying if you're teams. being punctual. If you just want to oh. say whoever has the best record is the best team. No, but um, I don't know, man. It's it's tough. There are a lot of other good teams. And so if you're basically in this situation saying they're the best team, you're saying they're taking them over the field, I guess. And, and I'm taking the oh. I don't know. Are they the best team? To circle back. Yes. To circle back. Just to make the Super Bowl. Tua is going to have to more than likely beat multiple of Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, consecutively, just to make the Super Bowl. Do you think he can do that? Well, okay, so I think those are different questions, though, right? Is the question of, do I expect the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl, is that same or different as saying, I think they're the best team in the NFL right now? I think it's the same. If you say they're the I best think it's team... Different. If you say they're the best team, you're saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. Not necessarily, because you could be saying they're the best team right now. Okay, fine. Right now. Because I, I could see, like, at the end of the day, the Chiefs have a lot of new players, new pieces, receivers, that it's like, okay, come the end of the season, I'm taking the Chiefs over the Dolphins. But if they played right now, well, I think I'd take play the Dolphins over the Chiefs. They're going to play in a month. Yeah, and maybe in a month, the Chiefs have enough that they have that good to go. I think through three weeks of the regular season, it's hard for me to argue that they're not the best team, though. Okay. They put up 70 points in a game. Um, the offense has looked unstoppable, really, in every game so far. They've got unbelievable weapons around Tua. Tua's healthy, he's slinging the ball around. It doesn't matter what running back they're putting in there. They're having success running the football very well. And the defense is actually good. They've got some studs on the defense side of the ball. Jalen Phillips uh, is one of the best pass rushers. Uh, you got Christian Wilkins, who's one of the best defensive tackles. They've got good corners, good players at all levels of, of the defense. So, yeah, if, if you're asking me to project it, will they be the best team by the end of, uh, by the, end of the year? No. Are they right now? I'm comfortable if you want to say yes. Jordan Love came back to beat the, the Saints. Mm-hmm. Later last second touchdown drive. Which, by the way, I uh, saw a stat that Brett Favre, when being da- went down 15-plus, never came back to win a game, ever. Wow. That's crazy. I don't think. 
I guess maybe different times. Jordan different Love era. did, though. Okay. So Jordan Love is better than Brett Favre. He's going to win a Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Jordan Love's going to win the Super Woo. Bowl with the Packers. Well, the last two Packers, like, long-term starting quarterbacks did. Rodgers won He's, one. Jordan Favre Love will won win one. one. Now, both would probably say they thought they should have won more. And, uh, obviously, you know, both were probably close with uh, Packers losing several NFC championships. Uh, the Seahawks one certainly comes to mind. And uh, the, the, Buc- the Favre losing the Super Bowl to the Broncos. Yeah, the Bucks one comes to mind. Um I want to say no because we do we do this we do this with like quarterbacks we think are going to be like Hall of Famers. We did this with Andrew Luck. We did this with okay. we're doing it right now with Trevor Lawrence. We're doing it with you know we do it with so many quarterbacks. I don't think people do it with Trevor Lawrence. Do you? People have done it with Trevor Lawrence. You know whether it was okay. before he got drafted and they thought he was going to be the next big thing or maybe yeah. coming into this year, right? Um, and I here's honestly, the reason why I think I'm almost willing to say yes. Okay, look at the NFC. That's your best they all counterpoint. Suck. It really is. They all, they all suck. But okay, what happens if in three years, like what if what if Caleb Williams goes to the NFC this year, Drake May goes to the NFC this year, and then I don't know who the next quarterbacks would be. What if the next best quarterback goes there too? And you have Bryce Young and he figures it out. And what if like all of a sudden the wave does change at some point? I don't know. It's hard to envision what it's going to look like in two, three years. It really is. I think it'll look pretty similar. To it might. What if, you know, what if... Uh, some of these quarterbacks from the AFC, like, like, what if Justin Herbert is like, I hate being on the Chargers, trade me. And they have to trade him to some NFC team. You know the what Falcons. I mean? Sure. Like, I, I don't know. There's enough that could change over two to three years. I'm going to lean no because it is just so hard to win a Super Bowl. Think about all the great quarterbacks that haven't won a Super Bowl or that only won one. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. So it's really hard. And so I think the odds, if you were just to say, blanket it across, be like, you're never going to win a Super Bowl. That's probably the right call unless you are a Patrick Mahomes type. Like, even Josh Allen hasn't been to a Super Bowl yet. And obviously, yes. Josh Allen's still has a I, long career. Josh Allen will not win a Super Bowl. Right. Ever. Joe Burrow hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. And again, Joe Burrow Joe could Burrow play another 15 years that you would think maybe he, win he one. could, right? Josh Allen's not going to win one ever. But see, I don't if, think Justin Herbert's going to win one ever. If you're saying ever, Joe Burrow right? might win one, it's tough for me to be like, Jordan Love's going <laughs> to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> so I'm going to say no. Well, Joe Burrow sucks. So I, I think this is an overreaction. All right, the NFL should establish a relegation system for the Bears and the Broncos <laughs> so that we don't have to watch that complete uh, garbage. So what would Get in contact the- with the USFL yeah, okay. and establish a relegation system where the bottom two or three teams or four teams, whatever, get booted mm-hmm. each year. No, I'm not about this. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the relegation system personally. That's not my, my thing. Um, <laughs> plus, I mean, it's not like the Broncos and... The Bears have been like historically bad franchises. You know what I mean? The Bears have been bad for a while. Bears have been bad for a while, but they still like they still had a lot of great years. Now, yes, you are right. The Bears the Broncos have been bad outside of Peyton Manning and John. O'Reilly. Right. But that's also like more than half of their franchise. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh no, they should not have rele- relegation. But that also I will well, admit I'm not a fan of relegation. The thing with the relegation system is like I'm still pretty calm. I don't. I mean, who, who like who was the who's the USFL champions from last season? I don't even know. I don't. Whoever I don't care, it was, to be honest, I think the Bears and Broncos would easily beat them by like 50. yes, yes. So it's a bad idea. Yeah, if you want to do that, I would. This is actually something I've before. If you want to open up a relegation system where instead of it just being they get booted, you get booted. If you we just finish have to play a game, you, first, you have to play a game. Whoever finishes last plays whoever finishes first, first. in the USFL, and you play a game to determine it. Then I get interested because that's actually entertainment that I get to watch the game 
and see. And, and it, I think it would be kind of cool to be like, oh, the Broncos beat them 49 to 7, to be like, yeah, there is such a big difference here. I think there would be. I think that's true. Did you know they used to do the, uh, like, I forget what it was. It was like the college All Americans used to play, like, the, I don't know, worst team in the NFL or something. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Okay. All um, right. Carrying on. Yeah. The Colts. They just beat the Ravens. They are the best team in the AFC South. Wow. Jaguars stink. Titans stink. Texans stink. I think Colts, Colts stink, but do they stink the least? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, Colts do have a winning record. They're two and I one. think a better part of this question is, well, I mean, should the Colts be starting Gardner Minshew? Is, is Gardner <laughs> Minshew giving them a better chance to win now? Well, I was actually impressed with Anthony Richardson. I, I mean, I thought he played well against the Jags. He... Uh, got them up fourteen nothing, I think, before he left the game against the, uh, the the Texans in Week Two. I don't know that Gardner Minshew like like he didn't do anything like horrible. I thought that game was more about like the Colts defense made a stop and the Ravens just kept messing up. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, so which it not, feels like buying. the Colts specialize in that. Well, here's my question: Why didn't the Ravens try to let Justin Tucker kick late in the game? They had like a fourth and two, and it would have been like a or fourth and three something. It would have been like a sixty plus yard field goal, and I think they, they tried to go for it and like false start or something. I think. Well, did you not see what hit. happened at the end of the game? What? They tried a sixty one yard field goal with Justin Tucker. Oh, and he missed. And he missed. He was short. Ah, yeah. So there's your yeah. answer. I don't know. Is Justin Tucker? Maybe here's an overreaction. Justin, Justin Tucker, Tucker washed. Is, is his magic gone? Is Justin Tucker? Yeah. Is he no more? I do think that one would be an overreaction. Um, I do think this is a bit of an overreaction. I still don't think, like, I, I don't trust the Colts secondary. Uh, I don't think the Colts have great skill players. It's it's one thing when a backup comes in and plays well for one game. We see that all the time. It's another when a backup has to be out there for long, sustained success. And that's usually the more games they're out there, the more you're like, oh, that's why he was a backup. Like, this happened last year with Gardner Minshew with the Eagles. Remember? Yeah. He comes in the first game when Jalen Hurts gets injured. Great. And I think he was, he had an awesome game. I forget <laughs> if they won or not, but he had really good stats. And then after that, it was like, oh, he throws a bunch of interceptions against the Cowboys. And, you know, some of these other games, he doesn't look good. And they, they lose to they lost to somebody bad last year, didn't they? Or maybe they almost lost to somebody bad at the they end of the season. They almost did, I think, yeah. Um, then it's apparent that that's the guy. So, no, I, I don't think the Colts are the team to beat in the AFC South. I still think that the Titans will grind their way to like nine or ten wins somehow. No, when you look up, no, the Titans suck. The I Titans don't know, man. Are bad. The Titans are just—they're they're gritty enough. They're bad. They have a good enough defense. I don't it's care not how gritty you are. If you stink. Mike Vrabel's a good enough coach. Nope. Ryan Tannehill's horrible, but they will—they'll—they'll they'll win nine or ten games. They will not. The Jags will, will find win a way to win nine or ten games. games. The Titans will win seven games max. I also think, even though the Colts just blasted the Texans, I still think the Texans are kind of feisty. But I guess the Colts blasted them, so. Uh, I guess the Colts are not going to be as bad as I thought, but no, they're not the best team in the AFC South. The Washington Commanders are fraud. Ooh. Frauds. 2-0. They were 2-0. They get blasted by the Bills. Frauds. Commanders hmm. are frauds. I'm actually okay with this. I don't think this is an overreaction. Let's look back to the two teams they beat. They had to survive against the Broncos late. After a crazy comeback. Well, yeah, I was going to say, they were down, Yeah, and then they came back. And the Broncos just lost 70-20 to 20 to the uh, the Dolphins. And in week one, they had to have they had to survive against the Cardinals, which, albeit the Cardinals might be okay. We'll get to that here momentarily. But still, the Cardinals, even if you think the Cardinals are okay, you don't think the Cardinals are good. I don't know. Maybe we'll get that. Um, 
yeah, I think the, the Commanders are pretend. We're pretend two and zero. They are frauds. Frauds. I think they'll finish with a losing record. How bad a losing record? I mean, the defensive line is still really good. Um, they still have interesting weapons like Brian Robinson's good. John Dotson and uh, Terry Mr. McLaurin Mr. are big good. hats. Yeah, Mister Big Hats. I got a big hat guy. Uh, seven and ten. That's not bad. No, but that means the rest of the way. That means after starting two and zero, oh, they'd finish two five and ten. Yeah, that sounds, sounds very bad. That doesn't sound as good. Yeah. All right, you mentioned the Cardinals. The Cardinals beat the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals are kind of decent. They're mm. pretty decent. They're decent. I still don't think so. I do think this. I is mean, the- how are we defining decent? Yeah, to me, decent would be like you win eight games. Are they going to win eight nine? games? I don't think so. I think this is still going to be a team that only wins like five or six games, but they're just feisty in a lot of games. So, like, are they bad? No, I don't think the Cardinals are bad. If you said they're, no. But are they decent? Are they good? I, I can't quite get there. Josh Dobbs, I'm actually good. very impressed with him. Good, yeah. yes. Is he better good than player. Kyler Murray? Yes. Quarterback well, competition? Yes. Should they, is, is Josh Dobbs the new Geno Smith? That's the real question there. Yes. Breakout guy? Should the Jets trade for Kyler Murray? No, because that doesn't help them. That doesn't help them because he's he's injured. Well, I mean, when he gets healthy. No, because I, I think it's going to be too late in the season. And at that point, the Jets might be like two and seven. <laughs> and it's like, why, why are you trading for this quarterback? Now, if you, if Kyler Murray was, they should trade for Josh Dobbs. They should see if the Cardinals. No. Play. I don't know if they would. No, no, why? no. Why? No, no. Josh Dobbs had two, three good games. It was better than Zach Wilson. How many good games has Zach Wilson had in his career? <laughs> There's a very strong possibility that Josh Jobs will just become Zach Wilson. Yes, but right now he's not. So don't trade for him. That would be the stupidest Zach trade of all Wilson time. Is Zach that would Wilson. be Josh the Dobbs stupidest trade of all time. That'd be the stupidest trade of all time. I really the stupidest trade of all time. I am a believer in Josh Dobbs, and I will continue to ride them. Which maybe, if I am a believer in Josh Dobbs, then I should get on board with the fact that they can be decent. I just I, I don't yes, know. Yes, you should. But beating the Cowboys, man, like. Mike, Mike McCarthy's good for just one of those what-the-f games. That's the thing. I'm trying not to take too much stock into the game. I'm viewing it as one of those, like, the Andy Reid games. He does it, too. Yeah, Once but the Chiefs always lose. Yeah, but sometimes they do, like the Colts. I don't know. And other times think, they win think, in overtime with the Texans. You think the Cardinals' loss for the Cowboys this year is the Colts' loss for the Chiefs last year? Yeah. So the Cowboys are going to win Not that Bowl. I'm saying – well, I'm not, I'm not going to say that they're going to win the Super Bowl. I just mean, like, yes, from that same, like, standpoint. That a good team loses to a bad team, it happens. All right. Initially, I was just going to say the Raiders should fire Josh McDaniels, but then okay. I decided to expand it. Every team in the AFC West, besides the Chiefs, so the Raiders, the Broncos, the Chargers, they should clean house, fire everybody. Ooh, fire everybody. I like this one. Okay, so let's go through these. So the Raiders should the, fire Josh McDaniels because yeah. he decided to kick a field goal. That was really bad. The so game. the Raiders were down eight points to the Pittsburgh Steelers last night. Had the ball on like a fourth and it wasn't even like it was like fourth and twenty three. No, like There's no way we five can convert or fourth this. and six. Or yeah, I was like, I don't. I think it was like fourth and four. Yeah, and and it was like in the red zone. Three minutes too. left in the game. And the previous drive, they scored a touchdown and hit the two point conversion. Yep. Now I sort of understand the logic of being like, well, hypothetically, even if we get a touchdown and hit a PAT, we're still going to need to make a stop and get a field goal. So why not just reverse engineer? Well, yeah, it? I think the idea would be you get the touchdown and go for two to tie it. Yeah. No. No. Here's what I'm saying though is that you would need, if you're going to win the game, regardless, you would need a touchdown and two-point conversion and then a field goal anyway. So I think in his mind, he was saying, 
oh, well, let's just get the field goal now, and then we'll get the touchdown and two-point conversion. But it doesn't so work get that way. the ball back. Because it doesn't work that way because you might not get the ball back, and also, if you don't tie the game, you don't get to play overtime, possibly. Yes. You don't get that chance to possibly get the field goal. Yes. So I sort of see the logic he was going for. It I was don't just see the logic flawed. I just think it was, it was flawed logic. I think it was just him being that was scared stupid. because the Raiders suck. Yes. Now, on top of that, he also has a bad coaching record. Not just with the Raiders, but his previous head coaching position. So yeah. with the Broncos, um, so yeah, he should probably be fired. Um, let's see, and then we get the Brandon Broncos, Staley, or I guess to the Broncos. Yeah, uh, with Sean Payton, they can't fire Sean Payton. You can't. You paid him so much money, but yeah, they're they also zero and three, and they lost to the Raiders. That's the Raiders' one win. Um, should Sean Payton, if Sean Payton, I'll, I'll put it this way, if Sean Payton was on the last year of his coaching contract, yes. Oh, yeah. But the only reason you can't is because he's in his first year. I mean, you so still I guess could. That'll make this an overreaction for that standpoint. And then, uh, yeah, with Brandon Staley. Yeah, Brandon Staley. Um, if if TJ Hawkinson catches that pass, or at least it just deflects off him downward as opposed to going up in the end zone that would have won them the game, he, I think, would be fired right now. If they're 0-3, does he not get fired? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I like to think right. he would. Last question for you. This is not an NFL Monday overreaction. This is just a question regarding Taylor Swift. Okay. Is Taylor Swift the most famous person in America right now? Wow. So how do you define, when you say in America, are you saying somebody who is in America for worldwide or are you saying most famous to Americans? Most famous to Americans. Okay. Like you're walking down the street. Every, does everybody know? Everybody knows Taylor Swift. Is she the most famous? Who's American? up there? Like Taylor Swift, well, Kim I, I, Kardashian. Okay. I would say like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, the president, I president, think probably Joe Biden, that. Donald Trump. Um, that would Tom know Brady, who she is. Michael Jordan and know like people would still know Michael Jordan. Right? I think you have to know who she is and know a little bit about her, like what she does. Most famous person in America. It's on the short list. Top five. Ah man. I guess. <laughs> Maybe. Where does Travis Kelsey rank in that list? Uh, not in the top five. <laughs> I don't even know if Travis... Travis Kelsey is an unbelievable he's, football player. He's probably not even in the top 25. Greatest tight end of all time. Yeah, he's probably not even in the top I don't 25. even know if he's in the top five for football players. Because not not necessarily... It's just that we know quarterbacks so, so much more. Football players, Mahomes, Mahomes, one, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. Those are probably the top three. Yeah, I don't know. Justin Herbert, maybe. He's on all these commercials now. He, he's in L.A. You know what I mean? Um, I guess that's true. Aaron Donald. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of guys. Receivers. Justin Jefferson, right? So many guys. Jamar Chase. So, uh, yeah. But Taylor Swift's top five. Maybe. Maybe. But certainly. <laughs> I think she's a lot for the top five. Okay. I think so. I, I do think there is a sect of people who do not listen to her music who probably, like, that's the Still thing when you get is. into, when you get into music versus, like, movies. Like, for instance, Leonardo DiCaprio, you might not know his movies, but you know who he is. If you don't listen to Taylor Swift, okay, do you know the who, criteria like, would if you be, only listen to rap, or if you only listen to, the criteria know, would other, be, right? you know Taylor Swift, you know who she is, you know what she's about, and you can name one song. Maybe. I don't know. It's Top up five? There. It's up there, though. It's certainly up there. Okay. All right. Uh, two hours down, one to go. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. More KU Football Talk. Lance Leipold Audio coming up in the 5 o'clock hour on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with KLWN. Depend on it. 5 o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. It's been a uh, fun show today. You can check out anything you miss 
on the Best of RCST podcast, wherever you get a podcast. Including Taylor Swift Sports Talk. Mm-hmm, sort of. Uh, you can also find it at KUSports.com right now. We're going to get to uh, some Lance Leipold postgame audio coming up in our next segment. Uh, we'll get to some more KU football talk right here, though. First, though, we're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. You can actually get in early on the KU Texas line. It's going off at uh, on DraftKings Kansas plus seventeen. You pounding the hogs early, uh, Texas? Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a lot of points. Yeah, I might. I don't know. I'm in. T- I might take KU. Okay. I'll th- I'll uh, over under is sixty two. That's pretty high. That is high. I don't know what, what is that. What is the over? projection there? That basically means it'd be like they're projecting uh, Texas to win forty. 40. F- no wait, that's forty two to. No, like it'd be like 40 to 22, somewhere in that range. 39, 22, 40 to 22, somewhere in that range for Texas. What? No, that doesn't make any sense. Why does that 17? not make any sense? Yes. 40 to 22. Yes. <laughs> All right. Is that 62 and a half? I'll let you ponder that one for a second. Um, anyway, the uh, money line is plus 625 for Kansas. Wow. Ooh, a little spicy there. So anyway, you can do that at DraftKings. Football is more fun when you're in on the action. Download the app now and sign up with code KLWN. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KLWN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 and older. Physically present in Kansas. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. KU takes down BYU. BYU 38 to 27 on Saturday. What to you was the biggest positive of the win and the game for KU? I think the biggest positive is that they showed they can win games in different ways. You don't just need the offense to be great to win a game. In this game, it was the defense scoring two touchdowns that ultimately helped you win the game. And the offense only scored seven points in the first half. I mean, you know, they they were able to move the ball, but they weren't scoring, and the defense helped them out a lot. And uh, I think that's my biggest takeaway because, again, I think that, to me, you are a good to great team if you can win games in, in multiple different ways. We know KU can win games with their offense. We didn't really know if they could win a game with their defense. Well, they did here, I think, with with BYU. I, uh, I kind of want to say my biggest positive that Kobe Bryant kind of looks like an All-American through the first four weeks of the season. Now, I kind of have to be careful with that because – it's easy to toss around, oh, Jalen Daniels looks like an All-American. Devin Neal looks like an All-American. And it's like, eventually, it's well, not all these guys are going to get All-American. You know, you'd be lucky to have one, because it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, being All-American is very hard. hard. It's very hard. But the reason I There's say he, he has looked like an All-American, I mean, players. he had a interception, he had a fumble forced, he had a fumble recovery, he had a defensive touchdown, he was targeted three times, he only gave up six yards and had the interception. I mean... He looks like he has taken, because we had those conversations over the course of the offseason. We had the conversations of, Kobe Bryant was really good last year. He uh, was first team All-Big 12. 
You know, there were certain games like the Oklahoma yeah. game where maybe he got picked on a little bit, but that tends to happen to corners. But overall, you know, he was a big play corner for you. And there were times when he showed to be a lockdown corner too, like the Texas Tech game. But could he take that step? Could he take the step from being a first-team All-Big 12 corner? What would the next step be? It would be being an All-American. It would be being that Aqib Tlaib type of season. And I think so far through the first four games, he has done that. Yeah, he's been really good. And that really game good. capped it off. Uh, do you have the biggest negative from the game? Mm. Again, my my knee-jerk reaction immediately after the game was the pass rush. Mm-hmm. I did not think the pass rush was very good. You giving, me, giving some of the stats and going back and watching the game, it wasn't maybe as bad, really. Uh, but it was probably their worst game of the season, I guess. Small sample size, though. But uh, I, I mean, I don't know. There wasn't really... I mean, honestly, this was a game where there wasn't a lot of big negatives, right. really. You didn't, you didn't turn the ball over. I mean, I guess penalties. You could, you could yeah. point to penalties and say that was another You didn't put issue. any balls on the ground, no fumbles. No fumbles, no thing. turnovers. Like, Jalen Daniels played well. Your wide receiver played well. Devin Neal was good. Offensive line was good. You obviously were fantastic in the run game. Like, there wasn't a lot of big negatives to point to. Mm-hmm. I guess the penalties would be the biggest one. I think you're right. I wonder where KU ranks in penalties right now. I don't know. Maybe that wouldn't be indicative because, you know, KU runs a little less plays per game than, than you might think. Um, Just stop doing the sugar huddle, man. Like, what do we do? Yeah, I, I never, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I feel like it never works. It never works. First of all, it never does anything. The defense just stands there and is like, what are these idiots doing? Mm-hmm. And then they snap it and it's the same. So uh, the, what you're talking about, if, if, you're listening yeah, people you don't, don't know. know. It's, yeah. it's the play where... It's where they, they call the play, and then they stand up yes. close to the line of scrimmage in the huddle, and they quickly snap it, and everyone sprints to the line. Yeah, when, when they do the thing where, you know, when they're they're going, all right, uh, break, uh, or, I don't know, uh, X, Y, <laughs> Razor, Jet, on on two, ready, break. And then when they do the ready, break, they just and they clap, the they all sprint to the line, and then they run a quick play. And it led to a false start. I feel like most of the time, starts. though, yeah, it, two false starts. I feel like most of the time when they even run the play, it's like, oh, we got stuffed on a running play. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. It doesn't yeah. work. I'd be fine booting that. Andy Kolnicki is proven to be very, very smart. Mm-hmm. The sugar huddle does not work. Please retire the sugar huddle. That is, if that's the only, if that, if we're having trouble coming up with <laughs> negatives and we had to pick that though, that's probably a good sign about how. I mean, yeah, it was a, it, it was a solid yeah. game, right? You run the ball really well. You had good protection. Your receivers didn't have any problems with drops. Jalen Daniels played well. He was he was aggressive running the ball also, yeah. and in fact, I think Lance Leipold. That's was another big positive. Comment, it really is. Yeah, about uh, him saying that they intentionally didn't run him much against Nevada, and then he runs and looks comfortable running the ball against uh, BYU. That's a big positive. Mm-hmm. That adds another threat to your offense. That adds another element to your offense. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously it wasn't a it wasn't a perfect game from K. It was not like they played perfect, but in terms of you know, normally you could sometimes you could step away from a game and say, wow, they they you know struggled in this area or struggled in that area. That really wasn't the case. I mean, you you played a pretty solid game against a pretty solid opponent. Right. You really did. Yeah. I guess uh, I, if we do want to go back to the penalty conversation. Um, it's obviously something that affected Kansas a bit last season, more than you might have thought. You know, you go back to two years ago, the first year yeah, of the Lawrence Lightbulb. They were great in twenty. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, they were top 10. They might have been number one. I don't I, I don't know where they were, but they, they had an unbelievable number. Last year, though, it kind of fell off. So far this year, they are 52nd in the country. So they're about middle of the pack in penalty yards per game. They're averaging 40 penalty yard, or 48 penalty yards per game. You'd like to see that number get better, especially because you are a team that typically even though you have upgraded the level of athlete and you have upgraded the the players that you have, 
you're still not a team filled with, you know, dominant first and second and third round picks. You have to win on the margins. And even those teams still have to do those things right, but they yeah. have a little more leeway than you do. Yeah. Especially if you want it like this week's a perfect example, right? You're playing Texas. You think you're going to be able to get away with with some of those penalties, which we talked about in the first half, the penalties. Uh, the two, it could have been a 7-11 to 11 point swing. Could have been a 7-14 to 14 point swing. So you, you have to be able to tighten that up this week against Texas. And, and there were some of those penalties against Nevada, too. Um, that you have to be able to play a clean game and have to avoid the slop in a game like this. But overall, like you said, mostly positives. Yeah. Really impressive win for I also KU. just want to say, uh, going back to the preseason, after Lonnie Phelps left and KU started going after different guys on the transfer portal at on, on the defensive line, I think you and I both agreed that, okay, you got to hit on these guys, right? Mm-hmm. Austin Booker looks like a big-time winner, like a big-time home run hit of a transfer coming in. I mean, I, I think he has just scratched the surface of what he could be. And he's only a sophomore. Now, he's a redshirt sophomore, so I guess he's already draft eligible. But, man, could be some fun years with uh, Austin Booker in a KU uniform. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk. We're going to get to uh, some Lance Leipold audio, what he had to say after the game coming up on the other side with KLWN. Depending on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.